Welcome back to another MarTech Zone interviews. On today's show, we are speaking with Kyle Hamer. Uh, Kyle is uh, works with high performance sales and marketing organizations. He's a salesperson turned marketer who is passionate about technology and creative outcomes. And we're going to be talking about revenue operations. This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Oh, welcome back, everybody, to MarTech Zone Interviews. On the line, I have Kyle Hamer. Kyle, how are you, sir? I'm outstanding, but I'm not outstanding in the rain, so life is great. <laughs> Kyle and I actually met through a podcasting introduction company. Like, and I, I love this because, you know, sometimes I'm in my own bubble and I listen to, you know, uh, people around me with podcasts, but, but this platform basically paired us up based on marketing and sales and technology interest. And, uh, and we, we had a pre-call that was absolutely fantastic where we hit it off. Uh, we have a lot of synergy between what we do uh, as organizations, working with organizations. And we just decided, you know what? We got to be on each other's podcast. We got to do this. So uh, I thank you for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me and, and you know, breaking out of your MarTech zone and not calling it the twilight zone. I mean, I think Audrey <laughs> did a good job of getting us introduced. And so I'm, I'm excited to see where today's chat goes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Well, and I love, uh, so I was always a digital guy, developer, implementation, automation, dashboard creator turned marketer. So I basically started with technology, which was kind of weird and then got into marketing more and more and really kind of got the bug. And then maybe from marketing even moved up to like business operations and marketing's impact on that. And so that's why the buzz term is digital transformation, but that's why I fit, you know, kind of that mold. It's how do you, how do you transform an organization from top to bottom? What I love about talking to you is the perspective of that you were a salesperson that turned marketer, which I think is absolutely incredible. Um, I can tell you uh, from a personal anecdote standpoint, I have worked with so many organizations where there's such a disconnect between those two silos uh, and it is destroying the company. Uh, and uh, and so uh, first, you know, what, what made you take that step? What made you go from, you know, getting all these great commissions and, you know, performance-based metrics to the slog of, you know, marketing where you have to develop a long-term strategy and grow and, and, you know, and, and you maybe have to wait a lot longer for that satisfaction level. Well, the truth really isn't sexy. Um, what, what I will tell you though, is, is there's a reason that my title uh, on LinkedIn says, uh, the headline is, is ending rivalries between sales and marketing for busy CEOs. And the reason that it, it, it is that way is because I was a sales guy in an organization where the CEO was too busy to give me the time of day. And I was given this territory and was told, go sell. No, I was classically trained door-to-door salesperson who ended up in software sales and like, well, how do I apply these to going and cold calling? I was really good at getting people on the phone. I was really good at having conversations really, really, really irritated me that when I needed something for my call or for my conversation, or I needed something related to sales enablement, marketing was nowhere to be found. They were off working on arts and crafts. They were working on the colors of the website. They were working on a newsletter. And I'm like, but I need to sell. And um, 
had just enough bias to go, oh, well, I've read something that says half of your advertising dollars are wasted. So obviously you guys are only 50% good at what you're doing anyways. I bet you I can do that. So as a sales guy, I started making my own marketing. Ever heard of a sales guy doing that before? Yeah, probably. Right. So it's, it's absolutely it's pervasive in, it's pretty pervasive in the market. Sales guys get frustrated with marketing departments and go off and do their own thing. Well, what ended up happening for me is it began a journey of realizing that, Hey, there's, there's really power in marketing and sales aligned in the campaign, the strategy, the call, the execution, how these things are sequenced. And for me, I happened to stumble upon a outbound strategy that generated a seven figure pipeline in 11 weeks. Mm. So I went from not knowing how to do software sales to a seven figure pipeline after I was like, fine, marketing, you suck. I'm going to do it myself. And that began my journey right. into marketing. And, and I really haven't looked back. It's, it's evolved into more technology, but it, it started with, I can do that better than you. And what I found out was, is it's actually pretty hard, but if done right, everybody wins. Do you, do you think that part of this is, uh, and it's a leading question, uh, but, but do you think part of this is traditionally, uh, and, and I mean, traditionally, I mean, even if you went to go get a four-year college degree right now in marketing or PR or marketing communications, traditionally, it was a one-way conversation. It was, you assembled your brand, you put together your dialogue, your differentiators, your key points, your, you know, uh, all of those pieces. And you pretend, you know, like you said, you, you adjusted the pixels and you talked about the colors, you know, for forever and you push that out there. And, and that was a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, you know, that, that you did that, but marketing, traditional marketing never had the feedback loop right? It was never, the feedback loop was, you know, is revenue going up or revenue going down or anything? And it, it seems to me, and this is the leading question, that um, marketing now is a two-way uh, directional, you know, bi-directional path that salespeople have been working on the entire time. Salespeople back when it was the product packaging still had their own way that they developed their presentations and, and crafted their messaging and, and got to a yes quicker and everything else. And do you think it's just that, you know, marketing, maybe marketing education, you know, is still pervasive and that traditional marketing role is still lagging, you know, where we are, you know, from a behavior standpoint. So I think, I think there's a couple things, it, by the way, that's a loaded question. So I think there are a couple of things to address based on my, yeah, it's, it's a loaded question as it relates to marketing. I think there are a couple of things as it relates to marketing specifically that the traditional education is built to teach you how to be uh, a marketer at a GE or a Walmart or at a, uh, a United Airlines. You're not necessarily taught how to be a marketer at a startup Uber or a getting off the ground you know, whatever startup company, the skills that you need in order to be a successful marketer in the startup company and the, the scrappiness you have to have, or the scrappiness you have to have to start your, your own construction company or your own dentist, um, dental practice, right? Those are entirely different set of skills than what you would expect or need to run GE. And traditional marketing is taught to teach you how to run GE. 
Well, uh, there's not very many GEs in the world, but there are a whole lot of construction companies. There are a whole lot of dental offices. There are a whole lot of startups in today's culture. And so what we've seen, I think, in the B2B market is specifically because of the, the feedback loop is, is two things. One, marketers are being asked to do more and more. And it's not because sales wasn't doing that before or that sales isn't doing that. But it is because marketers are now having to own the conversation for sales. Before, mm-hmm. marketing was talking at the market. Sales was talking to the market. Now we're in a spot where marketing is having a conversation with the market. And what that means from a conversation standpoint is, is selling, the technique of selling has now moved upstream into the content that's on the website. The quicker you can get somebody reading or consuming or listening or seeing and shaking their head yes, the shorter the distance is to revenue for that sales rep, because now the sales rep doesn't have to do the education. By the way, your prospect or the person getting engaged with that, they don't want to talk to the sales rep anyways anymore, right? Like my wife, I don't know how many times she goes to WebMD or goes to, to someplace to, to learn about, oh, I've got a toothache or this or that. She doesn't want to call into the office and actually talk to the, the dentist. She just wants to say, hey, I think this is my problem. I want to come in and I want you to do the analysis. She doesn't want to go through the diagnosis process. She just wants to get whatever's going on fixed, but she's coming in as an educated buyer. Marketing is now in charge of that education and getting the person to say yes. 30 years ago, that was sales job. Today, and as we progress forward, I think it's going to become more and more and more a marketing issue. We got to put that on a gold plaque somewhere. That answer was absolutely perfect. (laughs) Perfect, perfect to my leading question, but you did it way beyond the the justice that I was uh, expecting. And I think that you, you hit the nail uh, on several things. I love that you said, you know, marketers were used to talking at people and salespeople were talking to people. Um, And uh, I think, I think that, that just sums it up. And then from an education standpoint, you're absolutely right that we, we have um, educated these people to be, you know, CEO level or CMO level fortune 500. And, uh, and they're not, most marketers are out there, you know, beating the street and trying to, trying to grow a small business. So um, perfectly, perfectly said. Now I'm curious, you know, as someone that made the transition, um, you are breaking down these barriers. Um, Do you still see companies, you know, perform well where they're able to align these two or do you see them perform even better when they're instituting this new, you know, style of chief revenue officer, if you will, or, you know, getting, getting the responsibility of both sides of those walls under one roof? Uh, I think the, I think the customer or the companies that are getting it right are the companies where customers are voting with their dollars consistently and regularly. I don't think it matters if the title is chief revenue, chief marketing, chief sales, chief execution or executive, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what the title is at the top because at the end of the day, you don't have titles at the top if you don't have customers. Amen. What's really, really important and what I think is, 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 is incredible uh, we're seeing happen in the market. And I think COVID's really, really, really uh, accelerated this is organizations used to sell to Wall Street get on a board call, get on a conference call. And I was worried about the shareholder, but when you're facing the shareholders, your back is to what? The 
customer. Yeah, your, your customer. That's exactly right. But because of COVID and because people are not in their four walls or they're not, you know, they're not doing their normal life, organizations have had to become much more sensitive to where is my customer? What's going on? What's their experience? How, when they're ready to buy, do I make it stupid, simple, and easy for them to give me their money? Because money is kind of hard to come by. So what I think COVID is doing um, to, to the revenue, to, to, to organizations is they're forcing this collaboration and this discussion of money may not be scarce, but we need to be a lot more intentional about how easy we make it for business, people to do business with us, or we may not be here. And that's a real possibility given the change of dynamics and how quickly that happened. Hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. We we were already on that trail, right? We just accelerated the behavior of both consumers. And when you're, you know, working with these companies to set up, you know, a revenue operations centric marketing and sales um, organization, are you seeing a big, what are the differences that you see with B2B versus B2C? Ooh, misinformation is is wild in B2C right now. And what I mean by that is, is B2C companies, not the large ones, not even the mid-sized ones, but smaller ones, entrepreneurial ones, they're only one bad conversation away from having a terrible sales and or marketing experience. What works for the contractor may not necessarily work for the dental office, may not necessarily work for the, um, the plastic surgeon. Those things are definitely not going to work for the lawn guy. And so, but if I take that methodology that I'm doing in those, those environments and we try and apply it to somebody who's got an e-commerce business and now all of a sudden you need to do social media and these, these, um, these ad campaigns and you've got to set up these tools, you get in this, this environment where what sounds like a really good idea and what you got sold is, is interesting, but it's a best practice from somebody else. And so somebody else, the way somebody else got to their million dollars or to their successful organization or operation may not be the same way that you get there, but there's a lot of B2C companies that are saying, Oh, okay. Well, I, I looked at um, Uber or I looked at how Shopify or Amazon or these other companies that built these empires. We're going to follow that playbook, but there's a lot of things that went right for them that may not go right for your company but you want to follow that playbook or somebody said, Hey, this is the, this is the recipe for success. And so what I think happens, what I think is really going on in the, the B2C versus the B2B space is, is B2C marketing agencies are trying to do too much as a cut and paste copy from one company to the next, to the next. And they're paralyzing the ability for organizations to grow. Not that, not that there aren't similarities there, but if I hear one more time somebody say, well, this is a best practice, I might actually like punch myself in the face or them in the throat because a best practice is just a good starting point. It doesn't mean that that's the way that it has to be done for this organization. And so you get a lot of people in the B2C space who have misinformation about what's the best way to do something. How is it that you scale this? How do you, how do you make money? Should I be losing money on my first sale? Should I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of things that are, I think, bad business practices that a few unicorns that we see in the marketplace space in the, in the tech space come in and they influence how we make sales and marketing and revenue decisions 
at a different scale. And so I think, I think it's just really dangerous to, to try and compare ourselves to a Peloton or to a, you know, to an Uber. Conversely, B2B, yeah. I think B2B is in a spot where we are expecting too much. Well, let me, let me, let me say it differently. I think in B2B, there is a misunderstanding of what an advertiser, an advertiser is in marketing and what a true marketer is in marketing. And because of the explosion of, of technology and automation, we are now expecting marketers to do both, be successful at both, while also executing lots of things out the door. Um, marketing in many organizations has become the junk drawer not because we don't value it, but just because we don't know where else to put it. So put it in marketing. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, and as a, as a small piece of that, one of the passionate places that I talk about that is content that um, too many organizations are focused on how much content you're producing. And it's always this ridiculous notion to me that um, I have seen absolutely phenomenal one page landing page websites that are a perfect sales funnel that get high, high conversion rates. And then I've seen organizations that have 1200 pages of nonsense um, that, that isn't driving any conversion. And I think that lived that's the one small example of what no, you're, you're talking about. It I lived drives it. me I mean, crazy. Uh, look, and I, and I, I've got a, I was a VP of marketing. Um, so this is my second go around on doing my own thing. I had my own age. Like, so I left corporate America, started an agency, went back into corporate America after selling my agency and now I'm back on my own with it, with, you know, with the team. But when I was in corporate America, the last time around, there was a, so we had a, I was with a software company in the construction space. When I got there, they had a website that was, um, had gone from generating 12,000 leads a month to the month before I started as VP of marketing at 720. Com competition had been introduced into the market. They had built the site to be what I call the sales prevention tool. Like it was, they got in the way of an organization being successful. And our number one competitor had a website was four pages deep, had an about, had a pricing, had a, you know, under, under construction and, a, you know, a single conversion page. They had a blog, but really it was four, four pages. The site that I inherited was 1,243 pages and we cut the fat to 140 and our organization started squirming because they were like, no, what happened to all of this? We were doing this content strategy, but none of the math was working in our funnel. None of that stuff was, was dropping down through. Right. So I lived that now. And, and here's the part, which is, which is hilarious to me. Um, we would go through M&A in the, while I was in this role, we go through M&A and we would acquire this particular competitor. And I got to sit down with their director of marketing. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Why do you only have four pages? And he goes, well, I'm getting 17,000 leads a month. What do you care? And I started laughing because it's like, <laughs> we're getting trashed, right? We, we have a bet. We have a better brand. We have a, we're, we're longer in the market. We were doing all the right things. And yet here was somebody over here that was just like, Nope, we just made it really, really simple. And they were 
they were beating the crap out of us. So yep. yeah, I think people spend way too much time focused on all the wrong things. And really sometimes it's just doing the simple things really well over and over. That's that defines success. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, now I'm curious about your process when, when someone, um, you know, seeks out your assistance, they basically, you know, they're not, they're not hit, they know that they're not hill, hitting on all cylinders. They know that there's probably some misalignment between, you know, marketing and sales, you know, what, what's kind of your approach as far as, you know, when you come in to help them kind of, you know, uh, get these inefficiencies and, and build these efficiencies uh, into their organization? Well, the first thing we do is we set up an office and we get one of those lay down psychiatric couches and we invite both the sales leader and the marketing <laughs> leader to come in and just air all their dirty laundry. <laughs> you know what? You're joking, but I think you're probably pretty close. <laughs> well, it, and, and I am joking, but I'm not because I think part of what, part of what creates the most amount of friction between sales and marketing is marketing is so used to not being listened to that they start projecting on other people and they stop listening. And sales is so pressurized up for hitting a specific number and feeling like they're being let down by marketing that they're not actively listening to what marketing is trying to do. And sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time, through probably three or four conversations, you can identify that it's, oh, this is really, your issue is here, here, and here. And these three things boil down to, you're not listening, you're not, you're not talking, or you really haven't set each other's expectations appropriately of how you're handling X, Y, or Z. And because there's a lack of communication, you're busy working on arts and crafts marketer. You're busy, you know, driving sales and, and sitting in board meetings and feeling like you're, you know, you're constantly in the hot seat sales. You guys aren't listening to one another. And even though you're, you're, you're close to being aligned, it feels like you're miles apart because you just aren't communicating. Um, and it, it, it's a pretty, I mean, it's pretty simple for most organizations to go, oh, this is a, it's a communication problem. The communication problem is a byproduct of the process. The process is a byproduct of technology. The technology is a byproduct of somebody else built it. And these two guys came in, you hired a salesperson. It was built around Ron or Sheila, and they did things with a high velocity, high transaction. It was all e-commerce model. And then we went and we got Shane or Sue and, and Shane and Sue are more, um, methodical. They believe in a longer sales cycle. The way they handle things are, are different. And nobody ever told Peggy or told Douglas, our, our person in charge of marketing, that we actually changed our process from high velocity sales transactional. And so Doug's building everything to be transactional. And Sue and Shane are going, um, th this is not the type of stuff I need. This is not how we do business. I'm going to ask you some uncomfortable questions. Does ego play into this a lot within an organization? Ego plays into everything. Yeah. Um, and, and, and ego doesn't have to be bad, right? Because the moxie it takes to run a high-performance sales organization, you got to have some ego, right? I mean, they're, 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 yeah. <laughs> you got to have some, you got to have some confidence. The, the ego you need to think that you can convince an entire market that you're the best brand out there there's some, there's some pretty big ego in that. Right. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. But when you're convinced that you're right and you're not listening, 
it doesn't matter what the other person says right. or what your gifts are, they're not being utilized to their fullest extent. So what, what kind of processes uh, do you put in place then to, to kind of help that break down? What's a, you know, if, if I was going to go in six months later to an organization that you assisted, you know, what, what does it look like before and after? Uh, well, well, before you would have sales and people snickering each other when they cross in the, in the break room. Now today that won't happen, but they might be having back channel conversations on zoom in future state sales and marketing. They align through a, a weekly meeting. And what I believe, and this is, this is because I'm a sales guy turned marketer. I believe that the benevolence really needs to come from the marketing team. The number yep. one challenge that that tends to happen is the sales is so busy engaging and trying to bring revenue in and turning over rocks. They're not paying attention or slowing down enough to see what the heck marketing is doing to help them. So yeah. we, we would implement several very basic things for an organization. One, a weekly marketing meeting where marketing is talking about opportunities and revenue. So what do we think's happening? How do we how do we think what we're doing is is influencing revenue? Now, there's no salesperson in this room, but it is it is tying marketing to thinking about what's happening with revenue and and holding themselves accountable to the outcome that their sales team is also being held accountable to, right? It's a sub, it's a conscious thing that when they're doing their their programming or their sprinting or what, whatever they do, however they do their project management, it keeps their eye on the prize from a revenue standpoint. Additionally, once a week in organizations or, or twice, twice a month, marketing needs to be presenting to sales in 20 minutes or less what they're working on, what they did and what the outcomes were. Now, some of it's vanity metrics, some of it's show and tell, some of it is um, boring. But if you carve out 20 minutes Every week, sales will get used to seeing what's going. And marketing now has a captured audience of five to 10 or whatever the number of salespeople are for that closed loop feedback that it's happening consistently. So it's not now I have to go interrupt Betty or I have to go grab Courtney off the phones or I need to go interrupt Ben in order to get my feedback. I have a dedicated time where if somebody brings up an idea, I can get it in a chorus where salesperson A may say, oh, I'm seeing this. And salesperson B may say, yeah, me too. Or they may say, no, I'm not seeing it at all. But you've got a closed loop room where you're getting all the voices at once as it relates to your campaigns, as it relates to the, to the things that are happening. And what you'll see is six months later, sales is now invested in what marketing is doing. Marketing is now building campaigns that are better aligned to sales because they're listening to one another and they were intentional about just doing the activity. Yeah. Of, Here's what we're doing. Now I'm going to let you talk to me. And, and that loop really does make a monumental difference in how an organization performs. Uh, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, um, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I mean, some of the organizations that I worked with were were pretty bizarre as far as you know. Marketing was on a different floor, uh, different you know, scope, different everything you know than the sales team. And uh, it was it was almost funny. In in one organization that I worked at, you know, they they would come out. The marketing team would come out with the new sales deck, you know, once every six months or whatever, with the new products and new features and everything else. 
And then um, I was a product manager at the company. So I got to sit in with sales and sit in with the marketing team and, and sit in with customers as well. And so I would get in a, on a sales call and I would see the four-year-old slide deck. <laughs> the, right. But, but, here's, but here's the deal. The slide deck was simple and it worked and it worked for the sales rep for the last four years. And he's yep. like, I don't care about your new features. I don't care about anything like that. They're, you know, we're, we're, we were, I'm, I got the same message. I close business with the same message every year, you know, and that's why I'm not switching to it. And so it was almost, it was hilarious. You know, it was, it was all marketing was doing so much work and not that they were doing bad work. They were trying their best and they were evaluating the market and forms and, you know, and customer feedback and everything else, but not talking to these sales guys uh, and ladies was just their Achilles heel. Uh, because well, the, those were the guys that knew the pulse. They knew who the competitors were that yep. were creeping up. They knew, you know, budget wise, what people were willing to spend or not spend. They knew um, which features were missing that they were losing deals on. That's right. uh, they knew everything. Well, and, and, and what I would say is, is I think this is, and this is one of the distinctions where I've met with other organizations. They're like, well, we do, we have a meeting and we send a single person. No, 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 no. It's a 20 minute investment for the entire sales team. So your entire marketing team better be there as well. Because the guy that's doing the yeah. design, the person that's doing the, the plumbing, if you have multitudes, if you have an agency, it is non-negotiable that the people that are doing the work to create the things that sales is using, that they're in the room and they're hearing what sales is saying. It's no secondhand playing telephone. Amen. You're in that room. It's 20 minutes. If you can't, if you can't yep. devote 20 minutes, you might as well get out of the business game. Like it's just give up now. Cause, cause you have 20 yep. minutes Amen. for a coffee break. You have 20 minutes for a Kit Kat. You have 20 minutes for lunch. Yeah. Make your team spend time for 20 minutes to, to, to make your business high performance. Ah, fantastic. Well, this is incredible. Where do you, um, let's, let's start with, uh, you, you obviously have a successful podcast. So tell everybody where to listen to your podcast. Uh, because I think this is, you know, both if you're a sales executive or you're a marketing executive or you're a business owner, uh, these are absolutely critical, um, you know, uh, messages that you need to be listening to and advice that you need to be getting. Um, so first, where do people go to listen to your podcast? So the, the name of the podcast is The Summit Podcast. Uh, what I didn't realize when I named it The Summit Podcast is how many uh, conferences and organizations you would have to dig through. So if you search for The Summit Podcast and Kyle Hamer, you can find me on any of your, your primary, you know, I'm on Stitcher and, and Spotify and, and um, Apple, you name it. We're, we're everywhere you need to be. Right. But the, the easiest way to find us is either A, go to my website, Hamer, H-A-M-E-R, marketinggroup.com and search for under resources, Summit Podcast, or just go directly to Summit, S-U-M-M-I-T dot hamermarketinggroup.com. Fantastic. And then uh, we always like to ask this, what kind of customers do you like working with? I like working with highly frustrated and exhausted customers. If you're see, that's that's why I asked that question. I love that answer. People are always surprised at the answer to that, but I love <laughs> that answer. I, look, I, I don't want somebody who thinks they know what's going on. I don't want to work with somebody who's 
I'm not saying that we won't. That's this that's not fair. But the company, the companies and the customers we really, really enjoy working with are the guys that are like, I just am at my wits' end. I don't know how to fix this. I I don't know what else to do. Help. Because when you're at that yep. point, you can actually make meaningful progress in a in a quick time. And and I'll just one little anecdote. A year ago, a $80 million a year software company. Uh, and I did a project and the company came to me and said, we have this new product. We launched it. We love it. It's been in the market for three years. It's underperforming and we don't know what else to do. We did a process analysis. The owner, that means the owner's baby. He just loved this new thing, was super excited about it. And it was really simple. They had a 28 field form in order to get a demo of the software. 28 fields. I said, you have a sales prevention form. Like you have to be motivated. This might as well be a PO by the point in which I complete this thing. I'm giving you a credit, just add the credit card fields. Like, let me go ahead and sign up. You know what I mean? So Uh. again, it, sometimes the things that you're so invested in and and don't see gets you to that exhausted point. But to me, that's, those are the fun ones. Cause it's like, oh, wow, I can really feel your pain. And I don't know. It just, there's something fun about having been in a spot where it's like, I can see the sales side and I know marketers are idiots and I've been on the marketing side and I know sales guys are bullheaded. Let's find a solution yep. through this. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, Kyle, thank you so much for spending time today and, uh, and everybody please uh, go subscribe, uh, listen to Kyle's uh, podcast, um, uh, go visit his site. If you need some assistance on this, please reach out and, and contact him. And then, of course, if you appreciated this podcast, uh, please subscribe and uh, give us a rating or review. Uh, We love to get those every once in a while. So thank you. Thanks for having me on the show, Doug. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.